0: I'm Mike Gillis. And
1: I'm Casey Doran, and this is Radio versus the Martians. Jim Varney. He's he's not a creepster, right? I, everyone wants to love. I, you know what? Uh, this is what I'll say about it. I love Jim Varney um, on the on the level of like nostalgia driven tel- like children's television heroes um, as sort of sappy as he was really, really hope that uh, he's not a creepster. That he has nothing. In it, that he had no skeletons in his closet before he died.
2: We weren't allowed to watch Ernest movies in my household. Well, why?
1: <laughs> why?
2: I, I think because my parents were so disgusted by them. But here's the thing. like It was
1: not like Al Bundy, like, you know, like kind of just like he was discussing. He just was a little overly exaggerated. Everything he did was just a little too. I don't know, drippy, I well, would Well, it's say. weird
2: because my, my mom loved Paul Rubens. Like, my mom oh. loved Pee Wee. She thought oh. Pee Wee's Playhouse was hilarious. Okay. But Ernest was off limits. It was just like, mm-hmm. no, it irritated them. Plus, I think there was a bit of that, like, slapstick weirdness that they thought would be, like, modeling poor behavior for their
0: children. It's so weird because I was about to mention Pee Wee Herman because I was thinking what they would think of that because Pee Wee Herman occasionally makes references that are a little bit adult yeah. But does it in a childlike way, like mentioning something. Ab- there was like a joke on an episode of Pee Wee's Playhouse where they're talking about putting up a f- smoke detector in your house. And they make a joke about putting one over your bed or something like that. And it was just done in this innocent sort of way, but it was clear the writers knew exactly what they were talking about. Where the earnest ones seem a lot safer, I yeah. would think. He's he's like, he has a man-child, too.
2: I think I didn't actually end up watching so many of those earnest movies, except... Kind of sneaking them at friends' houses?
0: It's like <laughs> pornography? I guess. Oh, Oh no.
2: No, stop. No.
1: <laughs> not would... like that. Not, yes. not <laughs> earnest porn.
0: Oh, it's probably been done. Yeah, I bet you yeah. it has. Yeah. Oh, God. No, I oh, I don't want to Google that. I don't want to <laughs> Google that. I know it exists. I don't want to see it. <laughs> it's just going to exist in some What is the opposite of a platonic form? Not like it's perfect, but I know exactly what it is. And there's archetypical? A, archetypical, thank you. And I know that the odds are it's worse than what I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, The funny thing with Ernest, I don't know if a lot of people realize, is that he was an advertising character. Like, yeah. like yeah.
2: as if the Six Flags man got a uh, movie series? Or... Exactly.
0: Um, yeah. He was actually owned by an advertising agency, I think out of the Midwest, and they would get the job to do commercials for like a tire place or like a mom-and-pop restaurant, and Ernest would be the character that they would put into those commercials because he was owned by the agency, not by the people that he would do ads for.
2: Wow. So just an overly exaggerating actor that would be enthusiastic or... You know what I it's
0: wonder? It's the same if it's character like, every time. Yes. It's the same character.
2: I wonder if that's what the Norm characters are from those Norm shorts. Are you guys familiar with the Norm? Yeah, shorts?
0: Norm? Yeah, please explain. He's
2: he's like a sad sack Mr. Bean.
0: He's <laughs> okay. a sad
2: sack 1970s American middle-class businessman Mr. Bean. Okay. And um I was introduced to Norm by the uh, folks at, at Rift Tracks your, at your debutante ball. Yes, at my debutante ball. No.
1: <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> at my cotillion. No, uh, at no, no. By by the by the the Rift Tracks folks who oh. have the Norm shorts before some of their um, their theatrical releases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's baffling to me why someone would make like, is it a, is it a aspiring student filmmaker, but no, it's put out by an educational sort of filmmaking agency where he's just in these awful kind of situations and you watch someone go.
0: It's embarrassment comedy, kind of, except he's like Charlie Brown. And
2: it's not comedic.
0: Yeah. Mm. It's weird because you it, 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 it said it exactly as it feels like you're watching an educational short that has the educational content taken out of it. And it's just the bad jokes <laughs> yeah. that they would have you watch this in like a math class and they would have some veneer of this goofy stuff as an excuse to have norm learn algebra or something. I mean, that's mm. how it kind of worked. And it's bizarre, because I don't really know who the intended audience is.
2: So now I want to see if there's any commercials that the character of Norm has been in, much like Ernest.
0: I bet you. A local spot, probably. It has that kind of vibe. Yeah. He looks like he'd be a local celebrity, like the Vern Funk guy. Yeah. yeah. I, a lot of folks don't know Vern Funk. Um, I know Hunk that... Honk for Funk, right? Yeah, Honk for Funk. So
1: anyone who's outside of the Northwest area probably has no idea what we're talking about.
0: Uh, Vern Funk is an insurance company that... Sells insurance to people who don't qualify for insurance. <laughs> they advertise at like it's, three in the morning. It's
1: basically the worst kind of insurance you can buy and be legally legally insured. Right? You've
2: had eight DUIs and had your license suspended, and you have you know eight million things on your record, and you have um, you're in collections for you know no, debts I of mean, thousands of you're dollars. You're paying them and to get a piece need... of,
1: a piece of paper,
0: and it doesn't mean anything. It's a piece of paper, right? It looks like it, the sort of thing that would be a scam. In anything else. Their commercials are sort of famous. They do a lot of weird parodies. They did like a, a rap ad. They've done a bunch of stuff where he's like a superhero. Or there's all this weird stuff that they've been doing over the years. They're sort of a weird local thing. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen uh, Breaking Bad. The character of Saul Goodman on there has commercials. He's the, the sleazy lawyer played by Bob Odenkirk who now has his own show, which is awesome, by the way. But the ads that they have for Saul Goodman on Breaking Bad are almost exactly like the Vern Funk ads. Right. And I bet you most of them are on YouTube, if you look it up. You're a hunk when you drive by Vern Funk. And the guy on the commercial is, is not Vern Funk. He's the guy who... I guess, does the advertising for them. He's the Ernest. Yeah, he's a bald guy with a goatee, right? He's kind of odd-looking, yeah. but Ernest is a good comparison because he has that kind of like doofy kind of look to him. <laughs> and he's just a weird-looking dude. And I think a lot of people just assume he's Vern Funk. I, I don't know. But <laughs> speaking of, of weird labeling things, there's something I've kind of wanted to talk about for a while, and mostly I want to throw this out to the listeners because I just need to know I'm not crazy. Mm. Well,
2: that's off the table. It, it, yeah.
0: It, I, I, It's one of these moments, you ever have that? You see something as a kid, like a movie or something, and you're convinced you made it up? This is like that, but I saw it in real life. When I was in high school, my family and I went to Washington, D.C. Mm. We took the White House tour. So I need verification from this. If there's anybody who lives in D.C., I need to know that this is real. I need to know I'm not going mad. And what I didn't grade make... were
2: you in? Um... Uh,
0: Tenth grade, eleventh okay, so grade, you 90s. Were a high Clinton, yeah, President Clinton, Presidente Clinton. Um, yeah, I was in tenth or eleventh grade. I must have been 15, 16, 17, and we took the White House tour. And of course, you have to go through security when you go in the White House because the fucking president lives there.
1: Do they ask you if you've ever conspired to overthrow the government <laughs> when you go into the line?
0: Well, I don't think <laughs> Joseph McCarthy is in charge of <laughs> of security at the White House. I think he's actually dead, but. Um, There is a sign of things that you're not supposed to bring into the White House. And a lot of them are super obvious. You're not supposed to bring a gun into the White House. Duh. You're not supposed to bring a knife into the White House. A bomb. And they have little circular icons on this sign. And there's like, you know, an icon for a gun, knife, bomb. I don't know. And there was one that stood out to me, even as a teenager. And I know there's a story behind it. There's a single icon for nunchucks.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no
2: bring nunchucks in f- into the white... In oh, fact, no goodness. ninjutsu
0: weapons of any kind. I don't know if it was an icon to symbolize all ninja weapons, but it gives <laughs> the impression <laughs> that somebody looked what at about the... What about a sai? A sai is okay. What about a wazikazi? Are you just are you anticipating an attack on the White House by the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? <laughs> no
2: pepperoni pizzas allowed. Like, Nor skateboards. No
0: large turtles in trench coats with hats. <laughs> Albunga, dude. Yeah, I'm just, I'm so I saw this and I'm like, you'd think that there'd be this big umbrella heading for just no weapons in the White House. But nunchucks got their own separate category. So I've got to say, who brought nunchucks into the White House?
2: Probably many people brought nunchucks or tried to bring nunchucks to the White House.
1: I I think there needs to be a a, a political movement, not unlike the Second Amendment movement, of the people open carry people. We (laughs) should have an open carry nunchuck movement (laughs) so we can once again be able to bring our nunchucks onto public, public property. A nunchuck is a,
0: a special kind of weapon because it's the kind that you're very you're very likely to hurt yourself with it <laughs> while you're learning how to use it.
2: That's how they're most often depicted in film is through yeah. comedic slapstick, yeah. ah, I beat the shit out of my nose with this, <laughs> the other end of the nunchuck, right? Yeah, yeah
0: there's you a steep learning curve for the nunchuck. There better nunchucks. be
1: some nunchucks in the new
0: John Wick movie. That's all I'm going to say. Nunchucks do uh, See, the thing is, there's something
2: have you guys actually played with the toy nincha- nunchucks when you were playing like Ninja Turtles as kids? Oh hell yeah!
0: I've played with
1: uh, with real and toy ones. Have as well. you
2: actually bloodied your own nose with them? I've hit
1: myself with it. I found it. Uh, I found a pair of nunchucks that obviously someone was dressed as a ninja for Halloween, like in sixth grade, and so forever I had these solid wood with a pretty sturdy steel chain nunchucks in my closet. They looked like they had they had big dents on them. It looks like the kids who had owned them were like. Hitting, hitting them against a the table or something. They had so many dents in them.
0: Did you um, bring them to the White House, Casey?
1: I did not bring them to the White House, but they got lost sometime. I never got to... I should have taken them to college with me as self-defense. But it's but,
0: funny because a nunchuck um, is sort of inherently funny yeah. that either somebody's amazing, anything short of being Michelangelo or Bruce <laughs> Lee is hilarious. That if, if somebody starts <laughs> a fight, like if, if there's a fight on the bus or at a bus stop or in a bus-related area... <laughs> Um, anything in public, imagine if there's a fight breaks out and a guy reaches into his back pocket of his jacket and pulls out nunchucks. It's You have to sort of suppress a chuckle a little bit because you're like, he's going to hurt himself in this fight. Um
2: a nun chuckle.
0: A nun chuckle. I think <laughs> it's weird because I think right off the bat you assume that it's a weird maladjusted teenager who had it in his Duster with his dragon shirt or his wolf howling <laughs> his, shirt? His sleeveless
1: dragon shirt. He's
0: the yes. sort of kid who would carry a shuriken. I I don't know, Becky, you as a teacher, do those kids still exist? Uh,
2: don't you know that we're not allowed to wear trench coats in public schools anymore? No, I mean, no, that's 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 yeah, that's that's I so be 1998. Um, yeah. No, those kids generally exist, but they tend to... I don't know. Um, I think... I don't actually see all that many dragon teas. But, yeah. but my classroom is located next to the uh, classroom who's who, who hosts the anime club. Oh. Um, and that teacher, I love her. <laughs> and she... You know, as a as a teacher, you can agree to be the advisor of a club and you don't have to be of particular you know like affinity for that club or anything like that because every every high schooler that wants to incorporate with a club they can file with the associated student body and they mm. just you have you can't be rejected for fault of not having an, an advisor is, you, is it, there what, a magic what,
1: the gathering club at your at your school
2: there is a game club
1: no um no but specifically a magic the not gathering a magic club oh god damn it kids start playing magic again um
2: but oh but I did actually tabana. in Spanish class so tap. we have some some days in Spanish class where it's like no Spanish at all and mm. so you I mean no English at all excuse me <laughs> that would be silly no English at all <laughs> and you have to either use gestures or point or draw something or use the Spanish words you do know so the kids had finished with their task and they and I hadn't they hadn't notified me that they finished with their task at one particular cluster of tables and I'm seeing them all playing cards and I'm like, oh, and I'm on the warpath and I'm going to go over and be like, you're using instructional time to goof off and play your dragon-y cards and be that. <laughs>
0: your hula hoops and your rap music. Exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Take off that trench coat, young man. Um, and they were slapping down the cards and they'd be like, um, um, mono, rojo, dragon, <laughs> And they were using, they were like saying like hand, red fist or something like that. Awesome. And they were saying, the, using the words I know, and it was so cute. I was like, I was going to interrupt you, but no, I'm not, because you're saying dragon and mano rojo.
0: <laughs>
2: and it's so cute.
0: Aww. Like these
2: little nerdy kids.
0: Oh, yeah. I think the nerdy kid is the one who probably took it into the White House, the Dunchucks. Because it had to have happened. That's one of the things I, I want to know. is if anybody... Could it have
2: been a mistake of someone being like, I want to present this...
0: To the the president, <laughs> I want I want to hand my weapon to the president. You got, you got tackled by secret service, it's like that scene in the Lord of the Rings. I give you my sword and my axe. There, there's and my nunchucks.
2: There's probably a different procedure for doing that for heads of state.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you kneel before the president and present him with your nunchucks. <laughs>
2: That's the plot that of an be, Ernest movie. Ernest goes to the White House. No,
1: that would be if the Street Fighter of the movie were real. That would be the sort of court procedure in General Bison in the nation of Shadaloo. That was you <laughs> would present him with nunchucks to Curry's favor.
0: Yeah, I just. Oh, I, I've got
1: something to talk about. I I really wanted to talk about this, you Mike. Um. So we had before on another one of our point fives mentioned a forthcoming streaming only Star Trek television series. Set to start sometime in 2017. It's streaming only. It's streaming only.
2: Authorized yes. or unauthorized? Authorized.
1: CBS. Oh, it's CBS. Okay. It's on the CBS All Access, which is their streaming venue. This it,
2: isn't the fan based one that people got their panties in a bunch about.
1: No, this is for real. Uh, so it's precarious, right? Uh, they just named the showrunner for the uh, Star Trek. What's it called? Beyond. Star, well, Trek. Star Trek Beyond well, is a movie. Is the movie. It's called Star Trek Something Something. Star
2: Trek SVU. I should know this.
1: SVU. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. So, uh, the showrunner is none other than Brian Fuller, who was the guy who created the Hannibal TV series, and I think he did Pushing Daisies and a couple other series. And he was a staff writer on DS9 as well. Oh. Like, um, like one of the one of the guys who is now known for well he's now known for taking a show on nbc off of based on the hannibal property and doing a damn good job of it Hmm. um it got canceled unfortunately because if you do a show about serial killers and uh, on network television has a really hard time surviving but three seasons that's a long time yeah Yeah. it's pretty exciting it's actually really exciting it means it's someone who sort of had access to and crafted part of the sort of the 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 lore and also as a dedicated showrunner in their own right um, is going to have some say into how
0: it's how it's going to be put together. You actually sound optimistic about something uh, uh, related yay! to Star Trek. Yeah,
1: I, it's pretty cool. It's really cool to have someone to glom onto a little bit um, because before it was sort of like, oh, well Kurtzman um, is going to be part of it, but he's going to be a producer. So they weren't even really sure if they were just going to do like a, we're going to set this in the same universe as Newkirk and Newspock, but we're never going to have those characters. You know, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. sort of oh, thing. Oh,
0: Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the big problem is you have a story about a universe. And the idea of doing something set in the Marvel Universe, but from the worm's eye view, I think is really cool. Um, but when you can't use any of those actors, it just kind of makes it feel unimportant. Because you have a S.H.I.E.L.D. show, and who's the most prominent S.H.I.E.L.D. character? Well, Nick Fury, played by Samuel L. Jackson. And unless you can get Sam Jackson to be a regular on your show it kind of feels like you're, I don't know, unless the whole point is it's a bunch of nobodies and occasionally Sam Jackson walks by in a cameo. I, I don't know.
2: What's, what's your opinion on switching it out with a different actor and being just very upfront about it and being like we know that a character is bigger than an actor?
1: CG Charlton Heston playing Nick Fury. Oh. Well, <laughs> Fail. No, yes, I reject no. your
2: opinion. I know I asked for it, but rejected.
0: Billy Connolly. Billy Connolly. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't but, it a
2: rocketeer? No, no.
0: That's that's um, what is his name? Bill Campbell. I think not oh. Br- Bill Campbell, not Bruce Campbell, not think, Bill I Pullman. I think you're right. It's Bill. Cam- is it Bill Bill Campbell? Bill Campbell or Billy Campbell. But I think I wouldn't I couldn't handle another actor because Sam Jackson is such a big part of it. And all he could be is TV Sam Jackson because he'd have to do a Sam Jackson impression. Wait,
1: Has he ever been on a TV show on a regular television show? recurring character he
2: might have been on Sesame Street episode as Samuel L. Jackson
1: no but recurring character
0: on a television show I don't think so I think he's mm. always been a movie guy mm.
2: I'm thinking something like the Stargate franchise oh you know where you have Daniel Jackson that's that's replaced you know mm. by uh Franks what's so Michael Franks right and uh, you know you had you had all the different characters that were that were there in the original that were the same characters and the, the characters persist when the actor doesn't
0: sure yeah, I guess I just... Because I, I know Sam Jackson is going to come back again. It would just seem weird that he's just a different guy. It would, would seem
1: weird because it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe is ongoing and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is supposed to be like a spur off of the Cinematic Universe, yeah. right? That's why it would be weird. It
0: would. I think it would actually make it feel less legitimate.
2: It also happened with Clueless, but I don't imagine yeah. we've watched that.
0: <laughs> the same way they made an Uncle Buck TV show that nobody remembers. Oh, my God. You know that the current iteration of the Parenthood TV show... I don't even know if it's still on TV... Is actually the second time that they've made a TV show out of that movie, Parenthood. Weird. They're, they did a, pretty much everything in the '90s got a TV show for a while. I'm shocked that there wasn't a Mrs. Doubtfire TV show.
2: It actually seems like it would have transitioned well to TV.
0: Yeah, it would have. I it, mean, it's well, obvious. No,
2: it would have had to be halfway through the tel- the the movie for it to be the running gag. It would it would have been well it, also the 90s saw the the rise of the nanny and you can't have a competitor to the nanny where it's another nanny.
0: That's true. I think they could have, <laughs> it, it would have been hard enough with a not Robin Williams in the role because you can have a not Sam Jackson and but not Robin Williams is really hard to imitate.
2: I think both of them would face the same challenges,
0: yeah. Because there's such a distinctive actor,
1: and well, th- would you cross the barrier and do the movie to TV show and make it an animated series? All bets are off, you know. You can have some, some voice actor do, you know, Michael Keaton's Beetlejuice and Beetlejuice the animated series, and it doesn't matter, right? So you can cross over that way. You can cross you, over animated.
0: You can, but it's supposed to be crossing over both ways. That the stuff that happens on the TV show is in the same universe as where I don't think the Beetlejuice TV show cartoon gave a shit. Yeah. I mean, Beetlejuice is not a bad what guy. What about the on MC
1: it. Hammer uh, cartoon? I think that and the real whoa, life. Probably. Whoa, Oh, When
2: did that happen? Oh, Hammerman! You never
1: yeah. heard of Hammerman? No.
0: Oh, wasn't on for very long. Yeah, I remember it. Actually, it was. Part of that kind of TV superhero stuff where the hero shoots musical notes at people.
2: Like a Care Bear Stare style?
0: It's a bit like the Care Bear Stare um, (laughs) where you shoot iconography at people and it has a vague effect on them, but it's non-lethal. It's not like Care Bear Stare takes somebody's head off.
2: No, it it just warms their heart and makes them, you know.
0: Makes them feel. Exactly. It's like the opposite of hardening one's heart. <laughs> yeah. It's just it making somebody feel, and you're just like, you know, that's kind of creepy, and it's breaking some boundaries down. You're getting into my emotions. But, um, okay, not a fan so, of the Care Bears? Yes. Yeah, so, Forest of Friends? They are super creepy. Um, and weirdly, ugh, I, I will get into that in a later date, but uh, Hammer Man starred uh, the character of MC Hammer. I don't think it was voiced by MC Hammer. No, it was not. But MC Hammer did appear in the opening credits and sang the song alongside his animated counterpart. And it's a story of a guy who lives in the inner city and he's a good dude, but uh, he is a legacy character as he gets passed along the magical talking shoes of an older superhero who is kind of a Motown superhero who passed along his shoes and gave this young guy the power to be Hammer Man which he could ride along the musical notes on the, the I don't know, the, I don't know musical yeah. terminology. Right. But you know the, the lines. The staff, thank you. He rides along the staff kind of like Iceman from the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> he slides along it and uh, dances. And he was wearing the usual MC Hammer um, pants with the open V-neck uh, puffy jacket. What so I, it was MC Hammer.
1: I, what I remember most about it is that it was on the, on the level of such like inexpensively produced animation where in animation you have this, um, you have this term, you talk about the way they animate ones or twos or threes. What they're meaning is that uh, if you're, if you're animating in ones, it means that you're actually animating one distinct frame for one picture for each frame. So meaning you're drawing 24 pictures for a second. Um, And of course, and sometimes they recycle frames, but a lot of times what they do is they do twos or threes or fours, making it less intensive, right? To animate, one thing, one thing over time. For like MC Hammer, it was like halves. It yeah. was like it was like one frame every two seconds, one frame every three seconds sometimes.
0: Yeah, it's, it was the cheaper really animation. Cheap. I don't think it was full on Hanna Barbera because Hanna Barbera is sort of famous for having a character stand completely statue still and just having their mouth move. Oh,
2: mm. I, I like the explanation for why a bunch of them had. Uh, collars and neckties. Yes, it was so you could keep their body completely static and just change out their head. Right? Yeah, it, right. it's Yogi, just cheaper. Yogi, right? Yogi, Yogi Bear. Bear.
0: That's why he's got the collar. And actually, almost every Hanna Barbera character had a bow tie or a collar or something. Right. It's right. just a way of cutting corners. It actually saved a lot of money because you didn't have to keep drawing the whole body. And that was the thing with Disney is Disney was quality. Disney could spend a couple of years making a movie so that they would actually, for Bambi, get a deer and actually yeah. watch its movements and try to match it.
1: Well, it's. I mean, most of that is a result of just the economics of the two different media, right? Like the turnaround time if you have to make, what, 20 episodes of an animated, animated show every year versus one movie every three or four years.
0: Um, Sometimes even more than 20. I mean, yeah. some of these cartoons weren't just Saturday morning. Some of them went on after school. Yeah. So you had to make a bunch of them. There was like a 50-episode season. It's kind of weird when I look at things like, say, uh, Tiny Toons or Darkwing Duck or any of those things that came out at that time. They would have really, really long seasons, a lot of them, or yeah. G.I. Joe, because they were doing them daily, and you could see a big you know, jump in difference between the way the animation in the show looked and the opening credits. Thundercats is probably the worst... Uh, version of this where the opening credits look amazing uh,
2: yeah they're awesome and then you watch it and there's like you said there's nothing moving for like a full beat beat but it's not it's not someone's head flicked in one different direction it's not just all
1: the old techniques that you show where um you're having characters talk over and all you're seeing where you're just seeing like a static background and you're panning across it and there's nothing going on but you're hearing characters talk for like Six or seven, eight, nine, ten seconds. Yeah. Just because you don't you don't want to animate that in between there. But with I, I distinctly remember that with MC Hammer, like him walking along this the musical staff was like it was like jump 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 jump. It felt like your inner internet connection was slow, you know, and you're only catching only His, catching a frame, frame rate every rate is down. three or four seconds, and you're like, oh, this is grotesque. You can't even watch it. It was weird. Everybody in the '90s got I, a cartoon. I, I, now thinking about it. Thinking about it now, when I saw Transformers the movie at the Dollar Theater, which uh, the Dollar Theater was the place I saw a lot of movies. Um, which Transformers is the movie? Nineteen eighty five or six? Or the animated one. Yeah, the animated movie. Um, it's Transformers the movie, and it still will it will be forever. That's yeah. the, that's the name. Um, I was amazed because I don't think I'd ever seen an anime movie. Basically, it is an anime, Japanese anime movie, done with American actors. I had never seen anything like that before.
0: That is a weird movie. Uh, It does have more of an anime feel to it. It's clearly really violent. I mean, there was actually a lot of controversy that came out of the fact that they kill Optimus Prime in this. And that he goes still and his body turns dark gray and children cry. And they actually got a lot of really angry letters and uh, phone calls from parents who just comforting their traumatized children. And Hasbro, the folks that were making this cartoon, didn't think twice of it, because they were like, he's, he's, a, he's a toy. <laughs> you know, he's not somebody that... They really underestimated how emotionally invested people were in these robots that turned into cars. How, no, how,
1: how they were invested in what were essentially like 25-minute long commercials for toys. They were.
0: I mean, the 80s was... I mean, it was the decade I grew up and started watching these kind of cartoons, but it was also a decade that... I believe Ronald Reagan had gotten rid of most of the regulations that stopped used cartoons from just being an extended commercial for a toy line. Right. And a lot of them were. They were directly tied to, like, the show Mask or Thundercats. Sure. Or uh, any of these. Well, no, it was, it
2: was still completely okay if at the very last uh, half minute you said, so remember, kids, be nice to yeah. your neighbors and friends. Yeah. No or joke. change the batteries in your smoke alarm. <laughs> you know, It <laughs> was.
0: It gave you that sense that there was something... Uh, Actually, <laughs> socially useful about this cartoon, but it really just felt like a plea bargain. I, I think, in
1: retrospect, though, the, uh, the some of the content is like pretty drawl, you know, looking back on it. However, really, as far as Morley is concerned, what was just what's more, just utterly intolerable is how the in between. The commercials in between watching the show were so awful. We're so manipulative. Like, why? Why were? Why would we, in, retro, in retrospect, think about being like, oh, well, they're just they're just commercials or whatever. You, you the actual commercials them. of the time were
2: awful. You, you remember them saying, Treadful. "So, kids, you can't call since you're not eighteen. Go tell your mom or your babysitter or right. your dad to call this one eight hundred number now for these Connecty Glow Blocks."
0: No. Oh God, and, yeah.
2: Do you remember the Connecty Glow Blocks advertisement? No. It was midday Nickelodeon, and it was hmm. in between. Every single thing, midday or afternoon Nickelodeon cartoons, and they were for glow-in-the-dark. Like They were a combination of Legos and Kinex, and the commercial had an 800 number that you could call now, and they said the 800 number like 16 times, and they told you to go tell your parent or your babysitter to call.
0: Yeah, that so sounds order really it. familiar. Your babysitter, <laughs> your babysitter. Oh get man, the, get the card, little girl. It's close enough to a grown-up. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Make your parents pay. Can, she can read the numbers
1: off the back of the card. Sure.
0: Oh man. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we
1: were talking. About, oh, we were talking about Star Trek. Anyways, Star Trek sounds awesome. You're excited. Uh, it's gonna be. It's gonna be a something that we haven't seen, presumably since the 90s. But. Uh, you know, there's a worry, a never present worry, where the the specter, the specter of J.J. J. Abrams is haunting the continent.
2: What's the costuming like?
1: I don't know. We don't. I mean, we don't know much about it at
0: all. Okay, except so for that, so they that, that it cast has a producer it. and a showrunner, and they don't. They have not. They have yet to. Pitch and they have not like the named the concept behind the show because I mean, it's Star Trek that can't be about Kirk unless they want to recast Kirk and Spock and everybody. So I would imagine—I don't know. I guess I am—I'm not as optimistic as you are, but I'm curious. And I think the first trailer will usually give me enough of an idea about whether I want to give it a chance or not. And yeah. the fact that I'm not completely writing it off, you know, that's something there. I'm, I want to like Star Trek. I want to have Star Trek back on television because I think Star Trek is better made for television. It's built for television— it's more about ideas and long stories and less about spectacle. So I guess I would like to see it there, but...
2: Are you referring to the theatrical Star Trek that you think is just not not uh, yeah. where it needs to be?
0: Explosions and people running down hallways and...
2: A trailer that basically looks like an a advertisement for Monster Energy Drink. <laughs> yeah,
0: where Captain Kirk is barely jumping a chasm on his dirt bike. I didn't even know there were dirt bikes on the Enterprise. I guess. Emergency dirt bikes. Emer- Holodeck. <laughs> okay, we, g-
1: quick. Uh, it says, it's an emergency alert. All hands abandon ship. Make your way to the dirt bike
0: escape pods.
1: You're going to ride down a ramp? Just in case, yes. <laughs> oh, man. I don't
0: even know what to say. I... I'm willing to what, give it a chance. What kind of fuel
1: do you think they run in
0: uh, those dirt bikes on the they got, enterprise? They got nacelles on them. <laughs> you no, know, I think they probably. It looked like it ran on gasoline. It sounded like it Sc- ran on gasoline. Scotty just
1: keeps a few, you know, a few gallons by, on the side just in case he needs to run the emergency
0: motorcycle. He's got a generator down there. He's going to pull the ripcord on it, and he's like, oh. <laughs>
2: We have some of the most advanced fuel systems in the entire universe, and we're going to go with fossil
0: fuels
1: (laughs) 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 I would like to see the Simon Pegg Scotty, though, with, uh, like, kind of underneath a car with, like, smoke blowing in his face and his hands covered with motor oil. That'd be great. I think it'd be awesome.
2: Can he roll out uh, from underneath it on one of the little (laughs) dollies, and he'll have a little...
1: Threatening uh, people with a like with a wrench in his hand, just like just pointing at them with a wrench. Nobody got dirty in Star Trek past
0: a certain point. Yeah, I mean even in the the first Star Trek movies they did with the red uniforms, like Wrath of Khan onward, the engineers had those kind of radiation suits on. But after a while, you look at Next Gen, and Jordy never has to get dirty. And the engineering room is carpeted, and it looks pristine. And it's like, you know, he's an engineer who never has to be covered in crap. He never has, like, oil stains all over the front of his uniform or wearing basically a... They just have hand-washing stations all over the Enterprise. So you, they, you never see anyone who's not
1: cleaned up, you know. I mean,
0: everyone's constantly clean. I mean, yeah. you get a little bit dirty in a battle when things on the console on the bridge start exploding, and you have a little bit of soot on your face. And I'm like, where's that soot coming from? Is... Is the Enterprise run on coal? What's going on here? What's in that console? And if there's black powder in that, am I going to get cancer from this?
1: (laughs) Hopefully, there's not too much that's carcinogenic on board the uh, Enterprise D.
0: All I know is that the Enterprise, based on a couple episodes where the console explodes and sets uh, Chekhov's hand on fire, I'm like, like in the motion picture, I'm like, you know, they really could have used a surge protector there. (laughs) That probably would have been a good idea. But uh... I, I thought it was particularly effective, and because you,
1: you don't actually have to do much except for set building on this, is when uh, the warp core was in breach and the doors came down, the blast doors came down, and you had to see Geordi like diving and rolling under to get out. You'd be like, "Yeah, that's awesome. That's a way that you can have some show some danger without needing to put an enormous amount of special effects. You just have like a smoke machine, just like." Blast a little, a little under the door, and have a door come down. Have some guy hey, on the through some red alert the rope. Lights. Yeah, yeah it's, it was great.
0: That's how you really kind of did it. You also rocked the camera a little bit, and people would sway side to side. There's, there's a so there's an in, interesting is if is it going to be like shaky cam? Will it be
1: like shaky cam new Trek stuff, or will they want to film it like Star Trek is was was filmed up until like Enterprise, which is you're kind of filmic. Setting up shots, dolly shots.
2: Walking through hallways, sliding doors, that kind of stuff.
1: I mean, is it going to have like a West Wing style walk and talk thing, that how they're going to do it? Or do you think it's going to be more like Mad Men where they want to make, this is actually a piece of art where they're
0: filming it with static shots, you know? I don't know. It depends entirely on the director and how much work they want to put into it. It's a lot yeah. easier to do simply over the shoulder shots and then a two shot. Yeah, It's a lot easier to just have, you know, two people half-body shot, talking left to right, and then occasionally a one-shot. It's just cheaper that way. Um, Sims- if there's somebody who has a real artistic eye for it, they could do a lot with Star Trek. But the hard part is is that you have to be able, with the more artistic stuff, to have a fully built set that you can film yeah. from multiple angles. Yeah. That's why on, even on the original Star Trek, you only see the Enterprise uh, bridge from that one side. There's a wall you never see. Right. Because right. the camera's always there. It's not a wall. <laughs> no! <laughs> oh.
2: It's not the, what, what did they say in Galaxy Quest? The historical documents? <laughs> it's yeah. not historical documents.
0: It's, yeah, oh, yeah it, you never got to see. I think there was one episode where they showed that wall, where they built something there. It was only in the pilot, I think. Where you occasionally see the camera move and it's so jarring that you're so used to seeing it only from one angle. So, yeah, it's just bonkers when, when you break that. and It'd be interesting because sometimes those sorts of things, filming it like a movie, will always make it look more expensive even mm-hmm. then. But then that means your sets have to be good. If your sets aren't good, then you're just in trouble. It is
1: interesting to consider what um, making good sci-fi in the age of HD television is. Because like, consider um, the way that they did it before. You They did it on a film. They shot Next Generation and DS9 and... Maybe they even shot parts of Battlestar Galactica on film. Um, they shot they shot it on film, and then they tell us they need it down for television. And so that that covers a multitude of sins, not just with your sets, but your makeup and your costume design. You c- it can forgive a lot, um, and so you don't have to worry too much about realism. Um, a show that uh, sci-fi show, The Expanse, which I don't know if you've got to see The Expanse, Mike. No, it's Sci- from sci-fi. It's really well done. It's it's a it's not. Battlestar Galactica, but, um, it's based on, um, the Leviathan series, which I'm sure you know about the Leviathan series is a Corey, who's the, the author, um, and it's really well done. Except the problem with HD sci-fi stuff on HD television is is that um, you it's so much more clear, and it much it makes it much harder to build sets for because yeah. sets look like sets. Yeah, you, you have know? to be
0: really kind of careful, and you have a limit to how much you can build in there. This is why I'm always kind of impressed with Doctor Who. Is that Doctor Who is an incredibly ambitious show for its budget? I mean, especially back in the day.
2: But the sets look like sets.
0: Yeah, they do look like sets, but they get
2: suspension of disbelief through character development.
0: Exactly, but the sets should look way worse than they do, considering they have to build new things.
1: I think with sci-fi, though, there's an expectation that visually it has to sell. That visually, the sets, the art direction has to sell the concept of you being in a different place in a different time, more so than just a drama, than a cop drama. You know,
2: that your world building is visual much more than just your plot right. and your character development and things like yes. that. Although
1: well, the characters make the universe right, but it has, to, it has to be a little bit more presentational.
0: I think that if you have good characters and you have a compelling story that the audience can forgive a lot of things. That's exactly what you were saying with Doctor Who. I mean, that's why Doctor Who in the old days, they just filmed at a quarry all the time. And <laughs> I mean, that's generally Doctor Who, the set for the TARDIS always looks great. And everything else, they just kind of have to go to a factory sometimes and
2: well and and to to that end when you look at something like Battlestar Galactica which you just mentioned the world building involved in that was very similar to our current world like it's easy for you to uh, I I guess build a sci-fi um series when you don't live underwater right like (laughs) like building a sci-fi series where the majority of People lived underwater, right? right? Then you get Stargate Atlantis and (laughs) you end up with those kinds of problems. And so after the first episode, they're like, oh, yes, Atlantis is a floating island, right? So then we can all be (laughs) in air. Um, But you have something like, um, you know, anything that goes and lands on different planets, uh, it's going to look very set y. And so when you have Doctor Who that's landing, you know, in England somewhere, (laughs) you're like, oh, we're in Yorkshire, yay. That's easy because you don't have to build a completely different
0: world. That's when true. you're going
2: and landing on this satellite moon of this particular planet that's circling the sun, everything's going to look very setty. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a dangerous thing to do. Battlestar Galactica also had the advantage. There's a lot of things that they just filmed in the woods of British Columbia. And- <laughs> oh God, you know
2: I go out on hikes here, right? <laughs> you know, I mean we're in the Pacific Northwest, and half the time I start. Humming the music to uh, to like a, a Jaffa's gonna leap out in front of my hiking path, you know, because there's all, there's all these ferns. I guess we're in that episode of Stargate or, or,
1: or X Files. X Files. You, you could, you could follow, find yourself, you know, if you happen to. Be accosted by a man with black sunglasses and a black suit. Find yourself very quickly. in Supernatural,
2: the next Eureka. Yeah, that was one of the things moving up here about you know eight and nine years ago. I was like, I'm I'm in every single sci-fi series ever.
0: <laughs> yeah, I believe our our mutual friend uh, Rosalind Townsend referred to it as the British Columbia planet. That <laughs> <Yes. laughs> you just go back to that every week. It's like Hoth is the planet of the you know the snow, and the Endor has the planet of the forest. This is the planet of British Columbia.
1: <laughs> we have high tea every afternoon.
0: Radio vs. the Martians is produced by Mike Gillis and Casey Doran. Our editor was Mike Gillis. Our theme music was written and performed by Todd Maxfield Matsumoto. Find us online at RadioVersusTheMartians.com and send us your feedback at info at Martians.com.